All right, so welcome back, everybody, to this week's Hacker Hangout. We got a nice one for you guys today. So first things first, we'll do our typical intro. Um, as you know, for today's event, we have the Beanstalk team with us. Um, and I'll bring them onto the stage in just a little bit. Um, and so today is going to be fun because they've put together a, an awesome Spot the Bug challenge for you guys. Uh, and we'll throw that in the event channel uh, when they, uh, as as the event progresses and, and when, when we give them the stage. So hello, everybody, again, all to everybody that's uh, been here in the past, um, everybody that has been, uh, that's new to these Hacker Hangouts, welcome. Uh, this is awesome. This is a great place for you to get started on your bug bounty journey. Um so yeah, so let's get right to it. I think uh, as usual, um, so for what we normally do, follow us on our socials. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, I know you guys are already here on the Discord, so you probably see me tagging you guys every once in a while. Uh, so essentially, <clears throat> uh, follow us on our Twitter, uh, follow us on our Telegram announcements channel. If you need a link to that, let me know. Uh, and then also sign up for our email newsletter. So we've revamped. We've we've uh, we've. Uh, I think the uh, the October newsletter has gone out already. Um, every week you get a quick recap of bug bounties that have launched within the past week. Um, so yeah. So to get started, uh, you guys can check out the new bug bounties channel. So we got some awesome ones that I've just released in the past week. Uh, so just the other day, we had StarkNet, which was a million-dollar bounty. We had uh, Lido on Polkadot, which was $2 million. Lido also did <clears throat> a second one as well. They did Kusama. That was at $2 million. Uh, earlier or later, um, the week before, we had uh, Paribus with a $20,000 launch. Uh, DeFi Franc at uh, $100,000. And then the one that we'll be talking with uh, in a little bit, which is Beanstalk, they just released a $1.1 million bounty. So we got some really nice bounties, nice juicy bounties for you guys that have just released in the past week. Uh, so this past week has been, you know, fairly eventful for you guys. Uh, also to hop in, as usual, I always want to bring this to you guys' attention, which is basically the bug bounty program update. So I've been posting these channels in our event channel channel. Uh, so this is, again, this one was put together for you guys in terms of taking a look and seeing a quick summary of different changes within bug bounty programs. Uh, this could be anything from smart contracts, the addition and subtraction of them, any assets and scope, um, and anything else that essentially needs to be addressed uh, or updated in these bug bounty programs. So prior to any project or prior uh, to uh, to working on any project or scanning any code, um, I would recommend actually doing a, a command F or control F in this channel and taking a look at whether or not the specific project that you're working on or planning to work on has any changes. Um, that might change your approach, that might change uh, what you actually take a look into. Uh, so that's the other thing. Uh, there hasn't been any new articles or content. Uh, if you want to see anything specific, as usual, throw it in the event channel. Um, and then we'll go ahead and uh, see if we can get that up and running for you. 
Um, <clears throat> and then also the next thing is some news that's been happening. I think the only kind of big news was uh, Mula Market. So I'll throw ahead. I'll go ahead. I'll throw ahead. I'll go ahead and throw the article in the chat. Uh, so this was basically an $8.4 million exploit. Um, essentially, this Mula Market protocol is based on uh, Cello. And there's essentially a little bit of... So essentially what happened was um, an exploiter loaned some Cello tokens to Mula uh, and in return borrowed a large sum of Mula. So their token's called Moo. Uh, I believe they're mascot or their logo is a cow uh so the remaining uh cello was sold for moo to pump its price and in turn they borrowed the moo that was used as collateral to borrow other tokens so that was kind of the big exploit that hasn't that happened in the past week it's been fairly quiet in the space um but uh oh yeah cool yeah so um so yeah pepin has just uh posted up the uh new section um so it's called the vulnerability events forum uh so you could check that out as well for any new uh new or i guess most recent uh, uh activity that's been happening in the in the space um so without further ado uh let me bring up the beanstalk team I see a bunch of you guys here uh let me see who it is uh Invite. Let me see who we got. Um, I'm missing someone, but um, let me see who the other one is. One, two, one, three. All right, so uh, Beanstalk guys, if you guys want to hop on uh, on stage, I've invited you both on stage. I know there's a third person, but I cannot find them at this moment. So when they hop in, I'll go ahead and add them. Uh, but yeah, cool. So I guess uh, to get things going, uh, before we hop into the silo chat, okay, cool. Uh, let me see if he's in there. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Gosh me on oh here we go okay cool all right cool awesome so perfect so we have gotten um the the beanstalk team up on this call uh so before we hop into our little challenge um i guess uh can you guys hop in and just give a quick intro uh for each of you um, as well as a super quick intro of Beanstalk Protocol, and then we can go ahead and uh, run the challenge for these guys. Hey, Chris. You know, first off, thanks for having us today. Um, you know, we're super excited about this bug bounty program, and you know, hope it really leads to a lot of you know new developments and you know changes to the Beanstalk Protocol layer, and you know, helps teach us all how to build you know better, more secure, and efficient smart contracts. Um, you know, we're Publius, we're the, you know, we uh, deployed Beanstalk, um, you know, a bit over a year ago to Ethereum mainnet and, you know, have been, um, you know, a part of the community, you know, as a farmer ever since. Um, you know, Beanstalk is a permissionless fiat stablecoin protocol um, that's deployed on, you know, Ethereum mainnet. 
implemented in Solidity. Um, you know, it was deployed as an EIP 2535 diamond or a multi-faucet facet proxy. Um, and Bean is the native stablecoin of the Beanstalk ecosystem. And Beanstalk as a protocol, um, you know, aims to keep the price of Bean at $1. When the price of Bean is above dollar, Beanstalk issues new beans. When the price of Bean is below dollar, Beanstalk issues debt at a variable interest rate that fluctuates based on the demand for debt itself. Um, and, you know, essentially, um, you know, when the price of bean is above one, Beanstalk, you know, mints new beans equal to the amount of beans that would need to be sold in order to return the price of a bean to its peg and issues a portion of those beans to the silo, which is the, you know, uh, Beanstalk's version of a staking facility. Um, you, you deposit beans and liquidity tokens or other assets that are somehow uh, deemed beneficial to, you know, Beanstalk by stockholders into the silo in exchange for the stock token. Uh, which is the governance token in Beanstalk and Seeds, which is an interest-bearing token uh, that gives you more stock every season. Um, so you accumulate more stock for the longer you have your assets deposited in the silo. And when you withdraw, you have to burn all the stock you've associated on top of that deposit. Um, so maybe to jump into Beanstalk a little bit at its smart contract level. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier, or we mentioned that Beanstalk is a EIP2535 diamond. Now, it might be helpful to talk a little bit about what that means. So smart contracts on Ethereum um, are immutable. When you deploy code to a specific contract, you cannot change the code stored at that contract. Each contract can have state variables, which, can, which are immutable, but you can't change the code. So very quickly, we run into a problem when we want to deploy upgradable or modifiable software on the Ethereum blockchain. And this is where the, pro the concept of a proxy was initially uh, created where you can deploy a separate contract that's a proxy contract. This proxy contract just stores some kind of reference to some implementation contracts and accesses that implementation contracts through delegate calls. A delegate call is a type of call that you can perform within Solidity that borrows the set of instructions or function from another contract and applies it to its own state. So if you perform so when you call a proxy contract, you're calling the function that is actually implemented and stored in the implementation contract stored in the proxy, but you're calling the proxy contract. And the proxy contract performs a delegate call on the implementation address to borrow that functionality and update its state. So now we can deploy a proxy contract and change the implementation address stored within the proxy to change the functionality that the contract can use. And this is how we have an upgradable contract. Now, there's one very, uh, you know, there's a limitation with the size of contracts in Ethereum. And that is that smart contracts cannot be larger than about 24 kilobytes. Every, you know, everyone who's tried to make, you know, a somewhat large protocol at some point, you know, runs into this issue. And as a developer, the first time you run into it, you're like, are you serious? Like, come on. <laughs> um, and, you know, you start to realize that, you know, a lot of smart contract development and design is actually, you know, kind of based around this 24 kilobyte limit. What's really cool about the diamond standard is it allows you to build protocols that are larger than that limit by allowing the proxy address to have multiple implementation addresses. Whereas in a traditional proxy, you only have one implementation address 
And when you upgrade the proxy, you change that implementation address. And at Diamond, you have a mapping of function selectors to implementation address. So in the registry, you can say, let's add this function. And when we have a delegate call or when we perform a delegate call on this function, let's call it to this address. So now Beanstalk or a Diamond can have numerous different implementation addresses. And in the case of Beanstalk right now, I think we have something like 16 to 18 different contracts. And all of these contracts are called through the Beanstalk contract. So it's awesome because we can have 16 facets is what they're called, these implementation addresses in a Beanstalk. And each of them can have up to 24 kilobytes and the Beanstalk protocol can have access to you know, 16 times 24 kilobytes of functionality or you know, n times 24 kilobytes because we can have as many facets as we want, um, which allows Beanstalk, which is a, you know, a very hefty protocol to kind of behave as one large contract on the blockchain. Um, which has massive benefits in terms of you know, uh, usability. All of contract calls are routed to Beanstalk. You wanna see every call to Beanstalk, just go to the Etherscan page for the Beanstalk protocol and you can see all of them right there. Um, you know, there are obviously security vulnerabilities and risks that need to be you know, considered when using a diamond in the, in the sense that you know, upgradability in general is always risky and you know, there are significant things that need to be considered. Who can upgrade? How can it be upgraded? What can be upgraded? If everything can be upgraded, then you know, there's a lot of potential ca cases for you know, manipulation or manipulation through upgrade and you know, a lot of things to be wary of there. Um, so now that we've you know, talked about what a diamond is, let's maybe jump into Beanstalk a bit. So Beanstalk has several different modules. First off, we have the sun. The sun is how Beanstalk keeps track of time. Every hour at the top of the hour, someone is incentivized through Beanmints to call the sunrise function. The sunrise function does several things. It first calls the oracle um, which is currently a time-weighted average oracle on the Bean 3 curve pool. We snapshot the oracle and we say, what was the time-weighted average oracle balances over the course of the last season? And it determines how many beans need to be sold at those time-weighted average levels to return the price of the bean to one. And then if that number is greater than one, it mints beans to the silo, the field, and the barn. Um, We'll talk about how the barn fits in in a bit. Um, and you know, then it changes the interest rate. The interest rate is the temperature in Beanstalk and dependent on the demand to, you know, for the debt that we talked about earlier, the interest rate goes up and down. So the sunrise is this function that is called once an hour and basically steps Beanstalk from one season, which again is an hour into the next one. Next, we have the field. The field is where farmers can you know, buy debt and redeem debt. Debt is a token that's called pods. And pods is a non-standardized token that represents debt and beanstalk. These pods get, you know, are created on, uh, you know, in a line. So when you, you know, basically you burn beans in exchange for pods at the current temperature, which again is the interest rate, and you get some amount of pods. And now these pods go in the back of the pod line. When Beanstalk pays out pods, the pods at the front of the pod line become harvestable. So let's say the pod line is a thousand pods long and we pay out a hundred beans. Now the first 100 pods in line are harvestable and a farmer through the farm facet can harvest these pods. And it's important to kind of discuss how they work because it, it, 
when we think about the nature of pods, um, you know, we can think about pods to pod, you know, first off, pods aren't an ERC20 token. Why? Because they have this ordinal nature where pods harvest at different times depending on what the ID is. So we can't use an ERC20 for that. We look at the 1155 semi-fungible standard. What is the 1155 semi-fungible standard? We now have a N different fungible tokens stored inside a contract. Instead of having one ERC20 token that anyone can have a balance of, we now have a mapping from ID to token that someone can have a balance of. Now this might seem to work because when I sow a thousand beans, uh, you know, or let's say I get a thousand pods and the pod line is currently a thousand, um, you know, we in Beanstalk, you know, obviously we're not going to store that as a thousand different data points. We store that as at index in the pod line, a thousand, you have a thousand pods. So when we think about the structure of how it's stored in storage, you know, sometimes people you know, say, why don't we use 1155 for this? And the difficulty and the unique thing about pods are, you know, the pod at 1001 in line is different than the pod at 1000 in line, different from the pod at 1002 in line, et cetera because of the fact that, um, you know, the pot of a thousand harvest before a thousand one and a thousand and two. Um, so if we look at the 1155 standard, we can think about how, you know, if we were to apply the transfer function, we can't have two different pods at, at 1000. So if we have a thousand pods at a thousand and we want to transfer some of those, we need to transfer either the first half or the second half. So it doesn't work 1155 and the NFT standard is a little too rigid because we can't divide them. Um, so, you know, because of that, we end up with these pods, which are very unique nature, and we've built a marketplace uh, on top of Beanstalk natively through the protocol that allows people to buy and sell pods because of their non-unique structure. Um, I guess, you know, apologies for, you know, kind of uh, walking through this, that one might feel like a slow pace, but, uh, you know, next we have the silo. The silos, as we said, the governance and kind of staking facility within Beanstalk, you know, users can deposit whitelisted ERC-20 tokens in exchange for, uh, stock and seeds and as we said the seeds you know accrue more stock over time and when you withdraw a deposit you have to burn all the stock you've accumulated in your seeds um so this at the silo level creates another interesting problem where we can't you where when you withdraw from the silo we have to burn all of the yield you've accumulated on top of that asset so let's say you deposited um you know ten thousand seasons ago a bean each bean gives you two seeds each seed gives you one ten thousandth of a stock a season. So now on top of that deposit, you now have three stock. But in order to know you have three stock on top of that deposit, we have to know what season you deposited that deposit at. So because of that, deposits are structured like in 1155, where you have a mapping from token address to season to amount. And that kind of gives us this structure, which we can batch and you know, eventually pods, deposits will be 1155 tokens. Um, they're not now. Currently within Beanstalk, um, you know, we have a withdrawal timer of one of, you know, kind of the rest of the season before you can claim. And just want to note that because in the silo, you'll see that there's a different withdrawal and a claim withdrawal function because you have to initiate the withdrawal and then claim it after the time period. And that's something we're looking to remove at the protocol level, but need to make a few changes for that. Um, so next we have the barn. And, you know, uh, earlier this year, Beanstalk was exploited. Uh, through a governance attack, um, you know, uh, a flash loan attack and all of the uh, value stored in the contract was extracted. Um, you know, over the course of kind of three months, we, you know, tried to, or, you know, to 
reestablish some sort of liquidity, deploy a new bean token and restart the protocol. And, you know, kind of that exploit is one of the things that led us to, you know, immunify and wanting to really dive into and get a good, you know, kind of bounty structure going here. Uh, but that led way to the barn. The barn is the third asset you can hold in Beanstalk to earn a portion of the interest. Again, when beans are minted, a third goes to the, st the stockholders in the silo, the pot holders in the field, and the fertilizer holders, which came from the barn. Fertilizer was, you know, real simply a token that you could buy uh, and still can buy for one USDC. You give one USDC to Beanstalk, which goes to recapitalize you know, uh, the, the value that was stolen from the protocol and exchange, you get fertilizer, which entitles you to some amount of bean mints over time. Um, fertilizer is an 1155 token deployed separately from the Beanstalk contract, um, you know, which could be traded on OpenSea as of now. Um, you know, next we have the market, which we talked about a bit about the pod marketplace. Um, currently with the pod marketplace, we store orders on chain, um, but we take a hash of the order. So when you create an order on the pod marketplace, you say, or a listing, let's say, I want to sell this plot at this price and this amount. Um, we'll take a hash of, you know, your account and the, and the plot uh, or in the listing and store it on chain such that we don't have to pay to store more than one variable on chain, you as a user, um, and we emit the listing through the event. When you fill a listing, we take the event that was emitted and re-put it into the listing function, hash the listing on chain, verify that the listing exists against the hash that should be non-zero in memory or in the storage of the contract and let the listing go through. Um, so, you know, that's how the pod marketplace works. Um, and then finally, we have this concept of the farm. Now, the farm is just Beanstalk's way to perform multi-calls through the contract. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the farm, Multi uh, or with multi-call in general, um, let's say, you know, we have a smart contract, right? And, you know, through Beanstalk, um, you might want to do something like claim a withdrawal and then sow your beans in one transaction. Now, these are two separate, separate functions within Beanstalk. You could call the claim withdrawal function and then the sow function separately. However, this creates a bad user experience as now I have to perform two different functions, two different signatures, wait for them both to settle. And, you know, that's an ideal. So there's this concept that was created called a multi-call. So a multi-call allows you through delicate calls to perform a list of function calls to the same contract. So real simply, we have this function called farm, uh, which is in the farm facet, which takes in a list of function calls to Beanstalk and then just iterates through them and performs a delegate call on the contract, you know, after it looks up the function selector in storage to make sure there's an associated facet and it's a valid function. Um, and this way, users can perform a number of functions within Beanstalk in one transaction. And, you know, the, the UI team and, you know, is an incredible job to build out a number of use cases for this. Um, and one thing, uh, I guess that's a part of the farm is the depot and the depot kind of is how we uh, are you know, working on allowing Beanstalk to call other contracts through farm functions. So currently we have a facet called the curve pipeline, which basically wraps curve um, the ability to exchange on curve, add liquidity, remove liquidity on curve um, and real simply just exposes the function uh, within Beanstalk that allows you to perform those actions on any curve pool. Now, with this functionality through the farm function, we can now call curve. So we can start from USDC through the farm function multi-call. We can perform a call to, through the curve pipeline to any curve pool, perform a swap, and then perform that. 
and then, or, and then deposit the beans into the silo. Um, so this notion of the farm is what, you know, gives us good composability at the protocol level. By, and, and the goal is essentially to allow a user to go from any single position within DeFi to any single position. So, you know, through future upgrades we have for the depot, you know, the goal is say you have um, a USDC wrapped in Aave. Um, you can take that AUSDC through the depot, you can unwrap it on Aave, take that USDC, then you can exchange that USDC on Curve for beans, and then you can deposit those beans. Or say you have, you know, some staked ohm, you can unstake your ohm, you can swap that for beans, you can even swap that for USDC and leave it as USDC through Beanstalk if you want. Um, but the goal is to allow any, you know, transaction or any state in B DeFi to go from any state to any other state. So you should never have to do more than one transaction. Um, so, you know, I appreciate you guys listening. Hope that wasn't too much info for an intro, uh, but I'll pass it over to Publius or Silochat if you guys have anything you want to add. Just what happened here. That was an awesome, awesome intro. So I appreciate that. I know um, <clears throat> I was just speaking, uh, back channeling with a few people in terms of um just the protocol in general and the diamond contract so that's awesome so thank you for giving us a quick overview again like guys if you have any questions i mean <clears throat> these guys have been active in the chat as well uh and it's a ton of information uh honestly yeah it's i i have i bet i probably digested like less than 10 percent of that um there, there's a lot to go so like if you guys have any questions around that uh, feel free to throw them up in the chat. That's what these guys are here for. Um, if you guys have any questions in terms of certain uh, mechanisms or things that you guys want uh, a little bit more detail in, uh, would love to get them uh, active and 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 answering your guys' questions. I mean, you guys have them right here. So, who's the best people to 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 you know give you information about it uh, than the Beanstalk team? Um, but to move things forward, uh, would love to uh throw they put together some uh some spot debug challenges for you guys so i'm gonna post them up here in the chat and uh let you guys take a, a look into them um let me see if i could uh so i'll throw them in the chat and see if you guys can uh you know solve them ask any questions uh and and go ahead and uh see if you can spot the bugs in, in these challenges. Um, so they're, they're kind enough to put together these challenges for you guys. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll give it a few minutes. Uh, and then as I'm giving you guys a few minutes for these challenges, uh, feel free to ask any questions. Uh, yeah, there's, there's two separate ones that are there. Um, uh, that, so one is on a farm function and one is on E, um, I believe what is it was it called a uh a silo variation um so take a look at them uh if you guys have any additional questions in terms of beanstalk protocol the diamond contracts um you know how everything is uh or their documentation in general uh throw it up in the chat uh they've been gracious enough to you know kind of go into you know really deep detail of you know what they're trying to achieve and what they're doing and what's happening on the back end so i'll give it a few minutes then i'll pop back in uh if you guys want to answer any questions if you guys want to ask any questions uh you know throw them up in the chat as usual uh the floor is yours uh you know if you have any questions that are outside of 
uh, what's happening on Beanstalk or uh, or uh, the Beanstalk protocol, uh, throw them up in the chat as well. And we'll go ahead and see if we can uh, help you help point you in the uh, right direction. Yeah, maybe we'll just hop in for a second and use this opportunity, as Publius said, first to thank you, Chris, for having us and allowing us to talk a little bit about Beanstalk and introduce it to your community. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, would, would, in the spirit of decentralization, and we're such fans of the way that Immunify works, would maybe just, uh, as a caveat, say that we are, the, the Beanstalk team, as you've introduced us, probably doesn't quite do Beanstalk justice. At this point, there are a wide variety of different teams that are all working on Beanstalk in different capacities. And uh, we, Publius, were the founders and still, for better or worse, still, still do a lot of the talking. Uh, but at this point, uh, Silo Chad here, he's a representative of Beanstalk Farms. Uh, they're the ones that have organized the Immunify Bounty. Uh, but there are a couple of different organizations and companies even now uh, building on and around Beanstalk. And so, uh, I mean, maybe we'll just say to, say to your audience that if you're interested as you start to dive into the contracts and take a look uh, and want to get more involved, Beanstalk is always looking to maybe, maybe Beanstalk is a protocol. So Beanstalk doesn't have any desires other than tag maintenance, but uh Beanstalk Farms and Beansprout and all these other organizations are certainly looking to grow right now. So if you're interested in getting more involved, come hang out in the Beanstalk Discord and say hi, and I'm sure someone will put you to work. So lots of good stuff happening on and around Beanstalk at the moment. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's super exciting. I mean, um, yeah, on my first initial uh, run through of, of the protocol, I did notice that there's you guys are growing fairly quickly. You have, uh, you know, multiple facets to the team or, or even the protocol itself in terms of the things that you do. So, you know, appreciate you giving us a little bit of insight there uh, in terms of how things are broken down. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, if you guys are interested, join, you know, join the uh, join their Discord. Um, the fact that they have, uh, you know, a ton of resources that are there, um, in including like their beanstalk classes, I think is super, super valuable. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, you guys have, that you guys have, uh, uh are active in, in a lot of the discussions, I think is, is, is awesome as well. Um, that's very helpful in terms of, uh, you know, building out your community and just getting more, uh, interest into uh into what's happening so yeah appreciate you uh you know feel free to throw any more links um that you want in there um you know follow them on their socials you know i, I think it's a it's a it's something that you guys would would find a ton i think you guys here would find a ton of value in um but yeah i don't know if you guys if uh, uh you guys uh at beast like want to add anything else um in terms of like for example, like uh, your bug bounty, if there's anything specific that you guys want to highlight, um, you know, feel free to chime in. Uh, the Usually these calls are really for the white hats. So any additional information or quote unquote alpha that you can give to these guys is going to be super, super helpful. Well, one piece of I don't know if this is alpha uh, or a pain in the ass, 
but the the white paper, the Beanstalk white paper, is uh, the the at least uh, has been attempted to be as complete and accurate and truthful and full specification of what Beanstalk should do. Not exactly how it should do it at the technical level. It's not technical documentation. There's separate, although not great, technical documentation for all the Beanstalk contracts at this point. But if you're if you're confused about something or how something works and want clarity, a come come ask in the Discord. Uh, but b if you're looking for like a an ultimate source of truth, it's the Beanstalk white paper that that uh, has been updated pretty pretty much with every upgrade to Beanstalk, and uh, there's constantly edits and updates happening to it in what is increasingly an open-source fashion. So uh, if you're looking for a reference point and are a little confused, uh, the white paper is a good reference point. The Beanstalk Discord is a good uh, reference point, as we were saying. Uh, not not actually sure. Maybe someone else can help me on uh, where the best place to access in a concentrated fashion all of the technical documentation is. I know at the moment there was a big project underway to kind of centralize all of that, but not sure if uh, maybe Austin or SiloChat or, or Publius can comment on that. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, feel free, you guys, uh, to chime in. Um, also, we had a question from Mohammed, so I'll tag you guys in this. Um, so he was referencing a recent report where a critical was found. I uh, just wanted to see if you guys can walk him through that a little bit, um, just on a high level, so he has a good idea of, of what's happening in that recent report. So this is actually related to one of the code challenges. I don't know if we want to get into that now or wait a bit. Up to you. Uh, I think we can get into it. In, in, I think we can get into it um, and just kind of get into the awesome. meat. Think so. Fantastic. Um, so this is related to the, the second code challenge here. Um, whereas if we look at this receive token function, um, this receive token function, or I guess normally within ERC-20 token transfer, um, if we don't have enough tokens, the function, resert, the, the function reverts and the transaction fails. So here we have a receive token function where it transfers up to the amount that the sender wants to use and not all. Um, you can see here that this function receive token returns the received amount, which might be less than amount, but the deposit function does not use the amount returned by received token when it deposits. So let's say I only have 50 beans, but we go to deposit 100 beans. Here, this function would deposit 100 beans, but then received token would only transfer me 50. So what we would need to do is move received token above deposit and set amount equal to the return value of received token um, and probably make this function non-reentrant because we're performing an ERC-20 token transfer before we're updating, you know, some storage variables, meaning, uh, you know, the deposit. Um, so I guess just to talk about this in the scope of Beanstalk and why we have this functionality, as it is something that is proven to be, uh, you know, lead to issues, you know, kind of the fact that we have to use the return value from this received token. Um, so as we discussed earlier within Beanstalk, we have this farm function. Now, kind of 
we have this farm function that allows us to you know perform multiple actions in a row but how do we allow these trans how do we allow these actions to pass tokens from each other um so let's say you know uh you know i transfer tokens to beanstalk i transfer usdc to beanstalk beanstalk swaps that usdc to beans um and then we want to deposit it so how can we deposit it without having to transfer the tokens back to my wallet and back to beanstalk so beanstalk uses these internal balances um, where each farmer has an internal balance of every token. And real simply, all that means is Beanstalk says you have 100 USDC and the USDC is stored in Beanstalk. It's just a wrapper in Beanstalk's accounting book on the tokens. So farm f every, every function within Beanstalk has, that uses tokens, you'll see, has this to and from mode. And the to and from mode specifies where each function should use tokens from and where each function should send tokens. The two options are the circulating balance, I'm holding ERC20 tokens in my wallet, and Beanstalk's internal farm balance. So when I'm sending an output of a transaction, like we swap USDC for beans, I can specify, do I want to send it to my internal farm balance or my external circulating balance? Now, there's an additional property we need to account for in terms of swaps, and that's slippage. So if I, let's say there's a bean ETH pool, or a bean USDC pool, and currently if I put 100 USDC in, I'd get 100 beans. You know, uh, generally with DEXs, we include a slippage parameter to allow, you know, in case the price moves a little bit between the time when we submit a transaction to when it settles on chain. So let's say I put my slippage to be 99 beans. So I, transfer, I, I swap 100 USDC for, 99, for desired 100 beans with a minimum of 99. So the question becomes now, in this deposit function, what do I set the amount to be? Given that the amount out I'm going to get from the swap is not determined. It's somewhere between you know, 99 or, abo or above. So what we can do is we can put that deposit amount as something like 100 and we have a from mode where we can where you transfer up to the amount but not but if you transfer not the entire amount it doesn't fail so i guess you know going back to the point of we have these transactions we have these from modes and these two modes the from modes can come from your internal your external or a mix of both i can you know use all my you know pull from my internal and then my external or we have this fourth mode, which is called internal tolerant, which allows you to basically say, use up to the, this amount. And if I only have less, we'll just perform the transaction with less. If you use the normal internal mode, if you don't have enough, it'll fail. But the internal tolerant mode allows it to not fail if you don't have enough. So in the case of the farm function where we have a swap and a deposit, we can use the internal tolerant mode on the deposit such that no matter how many beans we receive from the swap, all of them will be deposited and we aren't left with some dust in our wallet. Um, and that's kind of what, what led to this problem was in the chop function, we weren't taking the return value from the, um, you know, the receive token function. Um, or I guess in this case, it's the burn token function, which is a, you know, a variation of the receive token function. Um, we weren't taking that re return value in, a, in treating it as amount. So to answer your question, yes, the to and from functions could be a potential point of exploit. Um, 
you know, like we've seen several issues through, you know, uh, I guess, you know, kind of after Beanstalk was exploited and, um, you know, we, uh, you know, basically built what we called the replant, which was this, you know, uh, this restart of Beanstalk, we received two audits um, from Halborn and Trail of Bits. And, you know, both of them had issues with this internal tolerant uh, mode. Um, so, yes, it's very possible that, that there's issues with the to and from mode. Um, you know, it's something that Halborn recommended we remove this internal tolerant mode. Um, and we're looking to, in a future update, create a way to inject return data from different functions into other functions um, such that we don't have to allow this internal tolerant mode, but instead can just directly use return values. Awesome. Thank you for that explanation. Um, th that was very in-depth uh, and I appreciate you running through, <laughs> running through the steps. Uh, sorry, when these guys got me laughing a little bit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys, if you have any more questions, I mean, th this is much deeper than I thought we were going to get into, um, but it's, it's awesome. Um, it's awesome about uh, so what some of these guys are, are talking about and how, how these are. <laughs> oh, okay. I need to collect myself. Um, so, so how, how these guys are, um, uh, uh, well, let's just say, I appreciate the explanation. Um, we got it all. Yeah, exactly. We got it all recorded. Um, so we'll definitely post this up when, when this is all over. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're almost coming up on our time here. Um, so you guys have any additional questions for the Beanstalk team? If not, hop into their Discord. I mean, like I said, they have a ton of material uh, surrounding the protocol. They've shared a bunch of re uh, resources in regards to uh, the the diamond contracts. Um, they do have their own uh, Beanstalk classes. Um, so yeah, so, you know, I mean, you have them on right here right now. So any questions that you ha you guys have, you know, throw them in the chat. This has been super interesting. Like I said, I probably have retained just such a small portion of it and I have to do a much deeper dive. I think this is super interesting. So thank you guys again for hopping on and, and doing this with us. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it a... Uh, okay, cool. So we got another... We got a question from Sentient. Uh, so you wrote, for critical payments, is that done linearly over a year or all at once, once critical is confirmed? Um, that would be something for the... Um, I mean, if it's not outlined in the bug bounty, uh, the bug bounty page, um, I believe it just depends on um, the payout, and that would probably be dependent on the uh, project itself. Um, but they already wrote here that it's all at once. Um, so, so there you go. There's your answer. Um, what is the most Web two vulnerability in in a DAP? or whatever DAAP is. Um, yeah, I guess if you guys want to hop in there. Silo chat, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so just quick intro, I'm Silo chat. I work on stuff across the stack at Beanstalk, but uh, particularly on the Beanstalk UI. And we've definitely spent a lot of, a lot of time thinking about this and, and working with security auditors as well to uh, kind of investigate what some of the different problems are. We actually have a, an audit of our Beanstalk UI coming out sometime in, uh, in the next couple of weeks from from Halborn. So stay tuned for that, and I'll uh, I'll try to post it in in the Immutify server when it uh, when it comes out. In terms of 
uh, on sort of the, the DAP front, I think, you know, a lot of the security surface area is kind of the, similar to what you would get in Web 2, right? Um, so like with the respect to the, the Halborn audit in particular, we spent a lot of time reviewing, you know, the code base history to ensure that there weren't any secrets or those sorts of things uh, leaked uh, before open sourcing it. We also spent a lot of time looking at the different pieces of, of infrastructure that plug into the UI. Uh, obviously, the, the predominant way that the UI gets data is by talking directly to an Ethereum node. Uh, in our case, we use we use Alchemy for as you know as that provider, but um, obviously users could could tweak that once it's open source. So spent some time looking at that. There's also some pieces of, of middleware which are pretty important to pay attention to. Uh, we use uh, we use subgraphs from the graph pretty pretty liberally to to index different Beanstalk data. So ensuring that if you're using a you know a centralized version of their software that 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 is safe and returning correct data, all that kind of stuff is is really important. So I think. You know, beyond that, we've seen some hacks in the past six months or so related to things like like DNS. Uh, I think Curves UI had this this sort of hack happen not that long ago. So that's something that we're we're also looking at on our end, and I think is you know still to this day a pretty tricky tricky thing to get right. So um, definitely something to to investigate further. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for answering that question. Um, yeah. And Chris, while, while I'm up here, um, just wanted to, first of all, say thanks for, for having us. And then uh, for the ImmuneFi community, uh, I know like there's, there's a lot going on with Beanstalk and it takes, it takes some time to, to digest. So we're working pretty hard to, to condense things down as best we can and provide documentation, both on the, the protocol side and, and on the technical side. I think on the protocol side, things are, uh, you know, as, as mentioned, we have the, the white paper and then also these, uh, the documentation on the, the farmer's almanac, which is at docs.bean.money. And that should help start to, you know, uh, explain some of the different uh, concepts within Beanstalk and, and the different pieces of terminology. But with respect to technical documentation, uh, we're, we're sort of gearing up to, to really push hard to, to get all of that out. And so in the meantime, I, I hope that that won't uh, scare anybody off. And so definitely come jump in the Beanstalk Discord and, and tag myself or any of the uh, other Beanstalk Farms members with, with questions. We have, uh, we have a development channel where there's discussion about uh, the protocol and, and the pieces of infrastructure around it and, and how they're engineered. And I'm always happy to uh, to give whatever answer necessary to to explain what's what's going on, so come find us, and uh, we're happy to help. No, that's awesome. I mean, there definitely there definitely is a lot. Like I'll, I'll admit, while you guys were speaking, I was actually doing a lot of reading on the side, trying to catch myself up uh, and 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 try to see if I can get involved in the conversation. I mean, there, there's so much that's going on, um, so many things, to, so many resources, so many things to break apart. So like, I haven't even touched like. You know, even the stuff that's been mentioned on the call and stuff that's been discussed here is probably just barely the tip of the iceberg here. So, you know, I appreciate you guys like opening up your doors and uh, you know, providing all the resources and, and opening up discussions and participating in the discussions that, that help the, the, these guys out. Um, I guess a general question here for you guys from Ignacio was he wants to know what you guys think is more secure by default, uh, Rust or Solidity? 
Um, at least on this end, don't personally feel qualified to answer that question. Unfortunately, just don't know enough about Rust. Got you. There you go. So there, there's your quick answer, Ignacio. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'll give it a last call for questions, guys. Um, again, like you have the Beanstalk team up here. Uh, so, so any last call for questions, uh, anything that you guys want to ask, uh, again, they've been awesome enough to provide a spot, the bug challenge, uh, Pepin will post it in the spot, the bug challenge, um, channel shortly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these guys have graciously hopped in, answered your questions, giving you guys a little bit of insight into the protocol. How it pretty much works again, like I said, much deeper than uh, some of the other ones that we get we've gotten on the channel. Um, we've gotten on these hacker hangouts. So, uh, first off, like before we close it out, give these guys a big thank you. Uh, give the Beanstalk team a huge thank you. I know there's a few guys that have been active in the chat. Um, they've been awesome uh, to come on here, uh, you know, and and you know, give you guys a, a nice little challenge and then also answer a bunch of your questions um, and, and, you know, giving us a quick intro, honestly, uh, for example, about like the diamond contracts and the different EIPs that are involved. Um, there's a few things that I didn't even know were, I personally didn't even know that uh, even existed until you guys actually mentioned it. So, so thank you guys so much. So I guess before we close, yeah, totally. Uh, I'll let you guys get like uh, any last words you guys want to get in there before uh, before I close this out. Yeah, uh, you know, thanks again, Chris, and you know, thank you for everyone who's been active in the event channel. Um, you know, you guys finding bugs for us is mutually beneficial. So, you know, as always, you know, please, please don't hesitate to reach out in our Discord and the development channel there if you have more questions about how things work as you're finding you know bugs and doing some hacking. Um, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. We want to be here to help you as, you know, once again, if you guys find the bugs, you know, that's, that's much better than, you know, someone else finding it. Uh, so, uh, you know, thank you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, before we close this out again, guys, I know we have a few more minutes, so I'll give it a last call for questions, either directed towards the Beanstalk team, directed towards the Immunify team or just any general questions that you guys might have. I know there's a few uh, new peeps in the audience that are just hanging out here. Um, and if you guys, you know, if there's nothing else, uh, you know, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll usually, I'll probably just leave this on until the uh, top of the hour and then we'll close it off. But uh, yeah, uh, again, thank you guys for hopping on with us today. Um, it's been awesome. Hopefully, uh, everybody in the audience got some, yeah, yeah, it's coming. I'm still working on that one. Um, uh, but, uh, if you guys, um, uh, uh, you know, th thanks for hopping on, um, you know, really appreciate you guys, uh, taking the time to time to do this and, uh, chatting with our, uh, with our white hat community. Um, Haruks, I will, I'm still working on those two. Their schedules aren't really the easiest to, uh, to work with um and then also in the fact that whether or not they actually want to do it or not um but yeah i mean like i said there's a lot of awesome new information that that happened in this chat uh pepin will post a recording once that's uh, edited and live um but yeah i mean like 
there's a lot to build on here um so yeah so feel free to get involved with the uh the beanstalk team hop in their discord uh you know follow them on their socials their twitter was posted earlier um but yeah just hop in there you know get involved i think i mean like what's more enticing than a 1.1 million dollar um a critical bounty that's um that's that's up for grabs uh, it's not obvious. It's not like the biggest one we have, but it's definitely something that is a life changing amount. So, uh, so you guys, you guys in the audience, do your thing. Um, this this is an awesome opportunity for you guys. <laughs> Sentience, uh, you should just change your name in this Discord to Jack. Um, and there you go. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah, hacker buy. This will be uploaded as soon as. Uh, you know, uh, as soon as Pepin gets a moment uh, and it gets anything that needs to be edited out will be edited out. But for the most part, everything will be posted, including this recording. The Spot the Bug Challenge uh, channel will get the two challenges from uh, from the Beanstalk team. Um, so thank you guys again. Um, <clears throat> appreciate you guys hopping on. I will leave it open for the next four minutes or so. Uh, if you guys didn't have any questions, I will hop in and answer them or ha or direct them to whoever needs whoever can answer them. Um, other than that, um, yeah, you know, thank you guys, and we'll we'll see you next week. Da Vinci, can white hats get Aminify swag? We're kind of working on that right now. We're having some logistics issues, um, so we're currently in progress. We're trying our best. Uh, I do know I owe you guys an update for the feedback forms uh hopefully i can get that sorted out for you in the next uh, by the next hacker hangout or the one after that and i guess just to respond to heroes uh in the in the chat um yes that was the issue with it um you know pretty much the the current iteration of the farm function uses a delegate call which only allows beanstalk to access function selectors that are stored in beanstalk state if we were to generalize the farm function to be able to perform any generalized call on any contract addresses this challenge presents, then yes, we can, then, uh, you know, someone could theoretically call an approval on an ERC-20 token or a transfer function on an ERC-20 token and steal value from the contract, um, things like that. So, you know, this is a solution we've been working on and, you know, we've been working on something that we call pipeline, which is, um, you know, essentially using a totally separate contract to route function calls through, through farm. Um, so we're, you know, able to perform kind of generic function calls uh, to any DeFi contract, which we're super excited about, um, you know, under audit right now. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will eventually make its, its rounds to Immunify as well for you guys to hack. Awesome. So hopefully that, it, that gives you a little bit more clarification. Um, but yeah, uh, cool. So I will leave this open for a little bit. Um, thank you again, big thanks to the Beanstalk guys, um, both on the stage and in the chat. I know you guys have been, uh, circling around, so appreciate you guys, uh, doing that for us. Uh, leave it open for a little bit more. Uh, if you guys have any additional questions, I'll probably leave it on for another two minutes before I close this out, but, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, and if we don't, uh, or if I don't hop back on, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. And if, if anything comes up and people have, like, very specific questions and want to talk 
to Publius about the contracts or silo chat about anything or anyone in particular, come to class on Tuesdays, uh, which are every Tuesday at uh, 7.30 Eastern. And everyone's there. Any questions are answered. And therefore, if, if there's anything that you're confused about, that's a great time to get some clarity. Uh, and obviously, in the meantime, there's lots of async communication happening in the Discord, but there's a, a time to, to chat synchronously as well once a week. So uh, everyone and anyone is welcome to that and looking forward to seeing hopefully uh, some of you there. Thanks again, Chris. Really appreciate it. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks so much for hopping in. Cool. And I think with that said, uh, we can go ahead and close this out. See you later, Haruks. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week. Um, I'll keep you updated in terms of what we got. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week and have a great rest of your week and weekend. And uh, awesome. Thank you guys again for stopping by. Always a pleasure.